0: Oh dear, hi listeners, welcome to Podcast with Paul. (laughs) We've got interesting insights guaranteed, (laughs) and it's time to increase your emotional intelligence. Are we up for increasing our emotional intelligence listeners? Let's have lots of joy and fun and excitement for sure. Hey, I've got some really special guests along the way, way. interesting people, really challenging ideas and challenging conversations, it's going to be amazing you can learn more about what to do, why to do what to do, and what to do about it all. <laughs> it's so much fun becoming self-aware, motivated, alive, learning new ways to see the world. Hey everybody, welcome to a Podcast with Paul. Ah, welcome back, listeners. It's time for Joe and episode two. You You've sort of were there in that space, and you accept that that, part of, that was part of who you are. Mm. But you're not quite so needy around the idea of your personal success.
1: How did you get there? Yeah, it's, it's how I feel at the moment. I mean, I don't know how – you never know how many layers deep. It's an onion. There's a, there's a beautiful Shrek, that movie. O- um, ogres are like onions. We have layers. And people are like ogres, like onions. There's so many things that you can lump into that idea of success. And it's, it's a very interesting word. It's become a very interesting word. The obvious thing is people think about money, first and foremost. And for me, money is always a very thin layer of it, actually. I think money is more than anything just a mirror for human beings. It just shows you your own attitudes and other people's attitudes. We often confuse money as the thing, it's the object. But the thing I've seen more, especially myself... Is just the idea of becoming something more in people's eyes is the real thing. That's what I seem to be the biggest drive. And I've really, along my journey, I've come to see more and more that tends to be this underlying idea that we're not, we feel like we're not enough. And that seems to be the driving thing.
0: But a lot of your friends would say, oh, that's evidence of a lack of ambition. How would you answer that?
1: Yeah, they would. It really depends on the idea of what's valuable at the end of the day. And I think ambition is fine to a point and a degree, but I think the, the healthiest kind of ambition just kind of arises and finds you. So much ambition is actually just chasing an idea of yourself that's not real. It's a mirage in the desert. And I've just seen so much bullshit in myself and I've seen Myself do <laughs> Just
0: push things. it in yourself, that's a big step. It man. is. Well, That is so amazing.
1: Because, and this is where it comes back to for me, I don't think there's anything worse than, you know, I'll tell you a story. When I was at high school, so I was a very ambitious person at high school. I was kind of did well in the ways that seemed to be important at high school, which is lovely. I did everything and I was a leader and I had positions and everyone liked me and I got awards and all the, the whole rigmarole. I remember one day my brother was 11, my youngest brother at the time, and I remember when I was home, I was the sort of person that was demanding. Like, don't interrupt me. I'm studying. Because what I'm doing is important. I need to get good grades and I need to be the Joe entity that I see as my potential. And so you can't get him away. I'm studying. And, and then I'd get defensive around that. And then my brother, who was 11, said to me once, because he'd started at the school and I was in year 12, he was in year 5. So he's the youngest I'm at the top. end. And he said, I hear all these great things about you at school but I don't see them at home. Ooh. <laughs> really? <laughs> he didn't feel it from the brother side. That's been the effect of aggressive ambition for me that I've seen mm. in myself mm. and others. Mm. It's a hypocrisy and a contradiction of the highest level. Mm. It's so fake. And it's the, I'm not going to do it in the simple, non-glorious way of being a good human being. I'm willing to forfeit that in the pursuit of some grander purpose. And I think that's a folly. Mm. The narrative I was obsessed with of myself was that I had this incredible potential to change the world and make it a better place, that I understood things that pretty much no one else seemed to understand, even people much older than me.
0: Um, (laughs) It's funny how you have, when we're young,
1: sometimes we take on that. Oh, Oh,
0: yeah. It's a
1: mantra of, oh, I can see it differently. Well, you know, the idea, oh, innovation's driven by the young and... Mm. Rah, 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 and people have all this potential in themselves they can't see. And I needed to, uh, I'd call it a saviour complex. Yes, and, it's interesting. And it started, the first thing I did. Saviour complex. Yeah, the first big thing I did was in a kind of charitable non-profit space, which we talked about, which is my friend started this thing in Nepal and I used to help. And then I saw that idea there. I was like, oh, let's get away from that. That's a lot of, it's actually just been layer by layer and hadn't fully given up the idea. Just being trying to hide it, as Alan Watts says, you hide it on a higher level. The police come on level one, you hide it on level two, the ego. Police come up to level two, you just there's always a higher place to take it. Yeah. Until you transcend it, yeah. And drop it and let uh, the air out of the balloon. Ah. Uh, so drop it. I just, I thought the latest version of it was, you know, this education mission and and trying to uh, you know show young people a better way and help avoid the mistakes that I and people my age slightly older were making and stuff like that and then the thing i saw was i had a less enjoyment of life doing it and i was more frustrated at people why was i frustrated because they weren't conforming to the narrative i had in my head about how they should be isn't that interesting which is obviously a reflection not of them but of me of you (laughs) i have i have an idea your your narrative (laughs) and it's only that and someone Mm. this idea that hit me Someone said something that all you're doing in this life is the external world is just a mirror for your internal journey. So it's not actually things you go go about changing in the world that you see. It's actually you see things in the world that trigger you. Again, like I was saying about the anger in the car, instead of actually going forward and reacting to it, it seems to be this high level of actually, what do I need to work on in me? So if my friend or someone I think, or even someone I think is evil or whatever... It's easy to get caught up in justifying judgment and saying that politician's bad or that person's bad or this person's saying the wrong thing. And this is—it's so much easier to point the finger. But what I try to do now is actually instead of getting upset and talking about how things should be, I think about okay, what part of me do I need to see and understand here and love? And then what I believe is that any positive effects just ripple out from that. Because mm. instead of I spent too much, I spent more time. This is another thing about the kind of ambition thing channeled in this way for me spend more time talking about it than you do exemplifying it you start describing it more and using the words for example there's a guy who's a famous kind of like writer and thinker i won't mention his name not that he'd care i know you listen but he writes a lot about the ancient stoics and stuff and their philosophy so he spends all this time writing about it and he makes videos about it but in so many of his videos he's all worked up and yelling and getting angry He's talking about stoicism. It's a huge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what's he doing? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's like getting angry about peace.
0: Mm.
1: Like, There's got to be more peace in the world. This is bloody <laughs> bullshit. Why aren't you guys being more peaceful? Mm. Why? Why? <laughs> and so you get you create an opponent in the world. You eventually become that. I've noticed you just become that thing in mm. a new way. It's not the transcension of it.
0: What's that, what's that saying uh, when... Wise person said to me that the problem you have in another yeah. is the problem you have within yourself. Absolutely, because as soon as you see it as a problem in another, why, why are you seeing it as a problem in another? And your reaction to the problem in the other is because I, I need to, I need to let that person realize. Well, or, 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 or that person doesn't realize. I'm not going to talk to that person anymore because they don't realize how they've offended me. Mm. And um, you know. They're too ignorant to understand and they wouldn't know and, you know, why don't they know? So all the judgments come from a place where we probably are holding on to it within ourselves. And if we were able to see it as that, we could let that go and it wouldn't make it mean anything. Mm. The fact it does mean something is so interesting because we make it mean something which actually does anger us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having the conversation. No, it wouldn't bother you. I have said to people at times, you know, when they're, when they're, Full of that complaint about someone or about an occurrence i offer the idea that the complaint is something that they're having with themselves and people find it very difficult to even contemplate what the hell are you talking about this is not to do with me at all this has only to yeah. do with what that person has done to me and that's so clear in their idea of have you got any idea what that person did and they can very clearly describe how that person has been how they've made them feel Mm. why they've made them feel that way how they know how to improve Mm. why they should change how they can change it's so interesting because we become in our own selves like you said i like that idea of the savior type complex it's a huge one it's a huge one and then you get back to it's subtle
1: though because it's very high level it's very sophisticated. You look great. I, we used to do a charity and everyone loved us for doing it. My school, everyone. They were so supportive. It's beautiful. But at the point we stopped doing, we, we moved on from what, say, was building schools. We moved on from that. The people still held us up as, yeah, Joe, he started this thing. I didn't start it. My friend started it. And he's building schools. We weren't building schools anymore. And you know how th- when you look at the stars in the sky... You're not actually seeing them as they are now. You've seen them eight minutes ago or something because the Mm -hmm. light's Mm travelling. It was like that. It wasn't even real. Unfortunately, people are so looking for those things to pedestal. We love pedestaling things as an inverse of where we see flaws in ourselves. Look,
0: I've watched some (laughs) shows, and I'm fascinated, and I just keep looking at things that interest me, but there's something around the human condition that wants to somehow give off your own understandings or your own... Uh, self to a higher level of thinking and some of these people who have become guru types who used religion and maybe Jesus. Yeah, That's a confusing one So they become they become the Messiah complex type person. Yeah. And they have a congregation of people around them. And the congregation have this devotion to this one person and it usually ends up being, you know, hundred, a couple hundred people, maybe fifty, whatever. But the devotion is so high they don't see past it. Yep. Rajneesh, Rajneesh, whatever his name yeah, was, the yeah. orange person, and there's, person, lots. And there's yep. lots of those people. And these people are quite intelligent and appear to be well-grounded and understanding. Yeah. However, there's a part of their yep. being or their mind that suddenly says, no, there is someone greater than me that I now am going to worship or pay allegiance to. And I am an interpreter for their will. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, when you see that and you look at it and you go, are those people in a trance? And it does appear that they're in a trance because their eyes sort of gleam yep. over. And yep. I've met some of these people. I yep. we think, well, how, how could they give up what their identity around who they are and, yep. and give away so much of themselves to this person? Now, maybe in some respects, we do that in different ways yep. and at different levels. You yep. know, I, I could argue that there are some people who might support a, a, a political identity like, for instance, Trump. There might be people who support Trump who blindly support Trump because they already have started to support Trump and they can't stop supporting Trump because they've become Trump in their mindset. Yeah, yeah, they have. And then there's a thing called confirmation bias. They already are biased and they need to look for reasons why they made those decisions. And then they'll justify those reasons, even if those reasons are absolutely obviously wrong and clear. But their mind doesn't want to see that because our automatic confirmation biases say no I don't see the other side I don't I, I'm not open to seeing the other side because I don't want to face the fact that I could have been wrong before yeah 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 it's a big one how could I face the fact that you're I could been spot wrong? on you're spot on and it's so it's so we don't want to face the fact that we could be wrong no but of course if we were open always we could always admit and this is what you admitted to me when you were laughing at me this morning our Excuse me, laughing at yourself this morning. Or we were both laughing at ourselves this morning. Yeah. The laughing of ourselves this morning is the realization of our own ridiculousness and our own imperfection. And yet it was imperfect in its perfection and perfect in its imperfection. It's yeah. like both things we go. That's going. one of the most beautiful paradoxes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yes. And once you get to the point where nothing is right or wrong here, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And we can choose as we as it approaches us. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we start to take on a bias of my opinion is actually the opinion... Yeah, this is the way. ..or my perspective is the perspective, and you need to know what my perspective is because once you do, you will then realise what I now realise. And when you do that, you will be as clever and as... as, as yeah. And I think that sometimes it feels to me that, you know, when I see Trump communicating that, he communicates in a world where once you understand, then you'll, do, you know... And he sort of creates this ambience of, you know, devotion. Yeah. And once those people are devoted, you think, do they realize there's another way of thinking? Yeah. And that they could open up to other forms of opinion? Yeah. But again, I suppose it gets back to the tribal part of, no, I back for this team. And this is the team I back for. And I'm not
1: interested in hearing about other teams. Who are the, I I look at them all all as cults. (laughs) I use the framing of a cult, like you would a religious cult. Uh And I look at all these things through that lens now. And I saw it so much in some of the education stuff I was doing and a lot of the modern career things that people can do now. Stuff online you can do. You know, Australia's become more entrepreneurial, like most parts of the world, being an entrepreneur is more accessible and all that. And none of these things are inherently bad, usually. There's all these beautiful things you can do in life, like sport, right? So innocuous. Yet it can be turned into a cult. And normally, the more it can be turned into a cult is the more of that kind of, you know, for me, in a void, it, it can seem to fill. And so you're back to addiction. And a big thing with addiction is blindness. Because oh, you're I love that. The,
0: it's blindness. It's that the blindness because you, you're it, subservient
1: yeah. to a god. I'm this thing brings... Now it makes... So when people talk about heroin users, they say when you're addicted to heroin, for example, only heroin makes you feel slightly good and nothing else can. Because you're so now hooked to it that Mm. your whole body's become desensitized to everything else. And this is what happens with all these other things. We can talk about religion. We can talk about political ideology. It can be sport. Not as often. It can be what you're meant to do with your life in terms of a job. You can treat your own profession like a cult. And the the figures who are at the centers of them tend to be the most disturbed people. Now, Trump is a very... You know, most people are pretty aware that Trump's a pretty, like, interesting dude. But I think most of them are much more subtle. I think most of them are actually largely respected by most people. You know, there's a lot of certain figures in the, you know, like, you know, thought leaders and, and gurus and, you know, like a, someone who's outside that world looks and thinks that person's crazy. What they're telling you to do and hustle hard and trade away your 20s for the sake of whatever. But there's so many people caught up in it. Because you're just you're shopping for a story about how you can be self-righteous, how you can be great, find power, fill a hole inside and end the pain. And identify and know very clearly what's wrong. Yes. So you can... Very you can, black and white.
0: You can see the other side are the wrong side. They, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's clear and it's obvious and evident. And so I will look for everything that makes me right and makes someone
1: mm. else wrong. Yeah. And it's very black and white. It's right... What makes us... That's want- where the confirmation bias comes in. Mm. I noticed sometimes in trying to tell people what you think is true, who think differently, or think sometimes the opposite, sometimes you actually feed their confirmation bias by challenging what they believe. Think about this, right? Let's say we are example. Even, it goes against what you're goes, even so trying I, to I, say. I, I say nothing. I just say nothing. <laughs> I'm I laugh up, at them. I've given up on it. I just laugh at them. You so can't I don't, I don't say anything. So, for example... Take someone who's incredibly religious, right? My family, I grew up religious. I have respect for people who, you know, it's there's there's still beauty in there, and all these things, of course, but nothing is the whole answer. That's my rule of thumb. Oh, I agree. Right? I agree with that. Right now, take someone who's evangelical, really strong about it, right? And all due respect to those people, they're entitled to believe what they want to believe, and we should all endeavor to love one another anyway. But you're given the ideology that people are going to challenge you. You're already fed that narrative. A cult always has an airtight logic. People are going to challenge you because you got to, you talked about this with your experiences, because you got to save them. You know, you're going to be tempted. It's the devil in one religion. Or in sort of the career in the hustle world, sometimes it's the, these are the non-ambitious people. who don't have what you have. They're jealous. Mm. So they're going to try and hold you back.
0: There's a very you distinct know? identification of the evil.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. There are the evil and there are us. But the expectation that they're going to try and talk you out of it. Yes. And it's already fed in there. And you need to be saved like I am. And then the more dark stuff you do, the negative things you do, if you're so invested in that journey, you actually project more meaning onto that journey Mm. to justify the bad things, Mm. right? And that's Alan Watts' joke about the the early kind of Christians and stuff. They go, they'll do anything to save you because they think so deeply that if you don't believe what they believe you're going to help so it's so funny though. they'll burn you at the stake and they'll say this is going to hurt me way more than it's going to hurt you you know I hate to do this to you but this is what I have to do and as soon as you've done that if you've done something like that we do innocuous versions of this all the time I'm convinced as soon as you've done that one of the ways is when pain hits you you have two reactions in my mind you can realise like pain on this level you're about oh shit I'm doing something wrong look at this bad thing that happened The other response is the reverse It's look at this bad thing that happened Lucky what I'm doing is so meaningful And this is something I did With my sort of little education or whatever mission Lucky what I'm doing is so meaningful That it's causing me to be like short with people (laughs) we're <laughs> trying to or tell them there, what to do. We're getting shit. upset at them. <laughs> you, Luckily, what I'm doing is so important.
0: Oh, lucky for me, I'm so important, right?
1: <laughs> and you, you can inflame that story mm. in reaction to all mm. the things that is actually nature trying to tell you. Mm. See, there's a lot of people like. Expect resistance if you're trying to build a big there's business. The say, or there's the right?
0: savior complex, or the messiah complex. There it is. That if only people knew what I suffer, but they don't know. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't understand what I suffer. But yeah, you know, I'm the, a hero. Yeah, I'm a hero, and, and it's I'm, humble. I, I, I don't I, have to yeah, complain. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm a hero, but they don't. That's okay. They they can't be heroes. The poor guys. It, you know can't. what,
1: Paul? It's a radical idea. I think we're meant to feel good most of the time. Mm. Mm. And what if the resistance you feel is actually nature trying to tell you something, like when you've got a sore part of your body. Ah,
0: when the resistance you feel is that you can accept and hear it yeah. and recognise
1: it. And all the things, you, there's beautiful things we get caught up in, right, that then become, we identify with them. Like I, I'm still working on things, say like podcast, writing, this other YouTube channel I do that's more comedic and stuff, whatever. And the blue still, pill, the, the blue, blue pill. <laughs> Not that blue pill. But <laughs> still, yes, I'm a human being. I haven't fully cleared all this stuff about identifying with what I work on, for example. And the mind just goes ahead, not from the present. And it goes, oh, what could this be? Mm. And as soon as you get in that space, you think, oh, what can I do now? Mm. You actually start hurting yourself because of something that might come. You start identifying with it. You become this thing. But really, all those things are wonderful things to to do. They're beautiful if you can have a healthy relationship with them. Ah. You don't have to, it's not a renunciation, ah. as Anthony Mello so said. Here we go. It's not it's not the Okay. What you renounce you bind yourself to invisibly.
0: Okay. Identify yeah. identifying what the ego is and recognizing what the word ego means, and I don't know mm. what you might think yeah. of what the yeah. ego means. Yeah. What you're saying is the ego is there, accepting that the ego is at work. Mm. How do you recognise it, allow it to exist? understand its purpose.
1: What is its purpose? Is this ego thing? What? Why do we call it ego, do you think? What's ego? Well, Freud, I think Freud might have been the one who introduced the term, but I like the way Eckhart Tolle described it when I saw him speak the other week, which was, it's this conditioned idea, this conditioned self we have that reacts to things. And one thing I realized, and he put it the same way, is it's the story.
0: It's the story.
1: It's a story about who you are.
0: Ah, the and ego we, is the story that we create about yeah, who we are.
1: or I think he said like the conditioned story. Ah. There might be a better way of looking at it. Yep. Right, so conditioned as in you formed a habit of believing that if this happens, it means this. Mm-hmm. So for example, if someone says, no, I don't want to be with you as a partner, that means you're not good enough. Mm. That can be a conditioned story. It's mm. not necessarily You can true. make that mean something. You can make it? that as, mean something. As you play that role. Yeah, and that might be formed from something in childhood where... When mom did this or dad did this, before you could even remember it, you start to feel, oh, when they don't give me attention, you form the idea. Why isn't that happening? And you're trying to form the story. Like a journalist, you're trying to plug the holes in the story. And you come up with a reason. So you can cause what we the main thing we tend to do is we feel like we need to have a story without holes in it. And surrendering is being able to leave more of the story open. So the writing journey for me has really been very spiritual. Because it's understanding this, the way we edit things and so it's fascinating. What about the idea, because I've
0: got a young mm. child that I'm watching grow now, my grandson, mm. Oliver. What about the idea that he's inherently egotistical <laughs> and inherently narcissistic and inherently a little shit? <laughs> huh? And so when he doesn't get his own way,
1: mm.
0: he stamps his foot and, you know, Yeah has a grizzle yeah. says, I demand something. He doesn't know what quite that is all mm. the time, mm. but if he sees it and he wants it, he sort of lets you know. Mm. And when you say no, he gets really upset. Yeah, But he's not two yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what is it about that that seems to be automatic in human nature? Mm. To be able to manipulate adults around him yeah. to behave in a certain way when he doesn't get his own way and then we as adults are starting to attempt to guide somehow train support feed the right ins and outs and through through I think okay (laughs) what inherently about him is like that and I've got a little story to tell about my mum my mum I love her Faye her real name's Isabel she's (laughs) she's 83 and she's hardcore and she's Upright, And she's extremely devoted, religiously and lovely in her belief and devotion to Jesus. And so she's she's a wonderful person. So we all know where she stands with her faith. And her faith is extremely strong. So she's very, very much aligned to her faith, which is a blessing for her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So my niece, Pari, has two children, two little girls. And one of the little girls is two and a half. And she's going through this terrible truths. So the idea now is not to physically punish the child in any way. So the idea that you slap a child or tap the child on the hand for being naughty audio, don't touch mm. that, is no, you do, do it through instruction mm. or you take things away. Yeah. So in the debate around that, because I've had that debate, do, am I allowed to tell Oliver off? Can I yeah. flick him in the ear? Can I, uh, you know get the old stick out and say, excuse me, fella, (laughs) if you do that, you'll get this. And the consensus is no. Violence does not work. You Mm -hmm. do not use violence to deal with behaviour because that means that he'll get violence back. And Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So when he goes to kindy and some kid hits him, is he allowed to hit the kid back? Well, yes, probably. I go, well, why would he hit the kid back? Because he's using violence. Mm -hmm. But, you know, would he have learnt that violence from the parent? Mm. And it's all these ideas around what is correct behaviour around do we provide pain? Mm. And then I was told, no, no, you take things away from the child or you put them in the corner. Mm. And I said, well, that could be considered psychological abuse because (laughs) psychologically you're producing pain for that child and you're putting them in the corner and you're ignoring them. And ignoring a child is not what we should be doing. So there is psychological or you could say, no, you're not having dinner tonight. Yeah. Well, then that's malnutrition. You can't, you yeah. yeah. Or whatever you choose
1: as punishment. Yeah.
0: Now it could be pain, or it could be pain yeah. related in another way. Yeah. But these are difficult conversations.
1: Yeah. It's, you- it's that same idea to a higher level. We haven't changed the underlying thing we're doing. We've disguised it more, and there's a danger that comes with that. So <laughs> keep going. I'm going to get to see where. So,
0: so anyway, my Paris little girl. She, 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 sits, she sits, my, mum, my mum picks her up right, and she's going through a little bit of a grisly moment. Mm. So she looks at my mum and she gives my mum a fair slap a fair slap <laughs> across, the, across the face right And she gives my mum a, a big snap across the face right in her little you know yeah. tantrum. Yeah. And so my mum looks at her and gets her head up and she goes bang <laughs> And she, she, she hits her bang straight back in the mouth and my mum said and my mum says to her try that again <laughs> <laughs> and and the shock the shock on her face oh, right? because it's like she's going mm. and and she says oh, look you know, the old school way or the new school way or the mm-hmm. new age mm-hmm. way she says mom, my mum my mum says look if, if if she wants to give it to me she'll get back what she gives. Yeah. If she tries it again, she'll get it back again. Yeah. Because that's the way it is. Whether she likes it or not, I'm only giving her what she gives. Yeah. But I remind her, be careful what she gives. And I said, when I pick her up now, she doesn't hit me anymore. I said, Mum, why doesn't she hit you anymore? She says, I don't know. She just looks at me differently.
1: <laughs> that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> She's a bit wary, you know. Maybe don't hit Gran. Yeah. Maybe that's the wrong woman to hit.
1: Yeah. She said, oh, you know, hit it is what it else. is.
0: But... She can hit me if she wants, but she'll get what she gets. And I, I think there's a little bit of a story around, you know, what do we do and how do we do it and yeah. how, what are the best ways? And sometimes that's reactionary. Yeah. But what is it about a child that does want to lash out and smack ram? And uh, the old grads says, oh, you can try that if you want. Yeah. But that, that whole thing about the human nature, I remember going to school when I was younger and the idea to prove your manhood against a fight. Now, if you didn't stand up for yourself and you become the person who just took the punch, yeah. you felt bad, you felt your, your own self-esteem was in, in, in play yeah. and all your peers around you say, well, you're weak, whatever. Yeah. Now... You know, on the football field, you know, it's a physical game. Yeah. You know, you you want to defend yourself. Someone punches in your arm, I'll punch you back harder, mate. Mm. Now, again, we're using a physical reaction, yeah. which is the lowest form of, of <laughs> communication. But for kids, <laughs> right?
1: That's all I got <laughs> That's all
0: <what> we got. <laughs> now, I watch brothers, you know, I've watched Shelley and, and the, my kids. When the brothers get together, if there's a point to prove, and, you know, recently they had a big issue to prove. So, you know, yeah. there were the there was cut, a big hoo-ha. But, there was a big hoo-ha and there was, you know, blood on the, blood on the ground. Was there was blood on the ground. Now, the fact that there was blood on the ground, there was points to be made.
1: Yeah.
0: And you can argue why it turns into a place where points are being made, but yeah. it's a position of honour, you know, mm. and we sent men to war and we, we you know, we celebrate Gallipoli. Why do we celebrate Gallipoli? Were these people um, um, showing courage and were they brave and was it brutal? And then we watch the boxing. Oh, Muhammad Ali, did you see him smack that? Oh, God, was he any good? The UFC is worse than the boxing. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's everywhere around us. They're heroes. These people are heroes yeah. who are violent and yeah. who actually give pain. Mm. So... Hit that, you know, on the football field and mm. and on the rugby field. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like punishment. Yeah. It's like you know, bang him if you have to, but make sure he's down on the yeah. ground. And it's extremely physical, extremely you know, you watch it and you go, wow, you know. And then you see the wrestling at the Olympics. Well, what are they doing that for? And the whole place it becomes a challenging place of physicality, human against human, yeah. and we and we watch it. Yeah you've got the fighting and you know pretend wrestling and you've got the rule you've got all these all these different things but down at the end of the day we're not what the best way to treat your child is not in a physical sense so if the child's you know you can Abuse them psychologically, True. but not actually <laughs> in any <the> other way. <laughs> now, now, whether I'm not saying what's yeah, yeah. on, everyone go hit your kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm yeah. not saying what's right or wrong here. It's yeah. just interesting that the child that I notice automatically starts to use the defence mechanism yeah. of pain to yeah. each other when things don't go their own way. And I can remember being that way. Mm. I can remember, you know, you know, having my friends and and. Causing pain to each other, would play knuckles and you know smack each oh, wow. other on the knuckles. And yeah. you know, it was hasn't punch, gone away. Has. Punch, punching someone in the guts and getting their solar plexus—oh god, that hurt! You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it was natural and mm. normal. But it is—it is, it is interesting how we as humans are trying to best deal with how to best treat each other moving forward. Ah, thank you, Joe. That was episode two. How interesting a person Joe is. Look. We talked about an idea of becoming something more, his idea of being more, being more valuable. He was chasing an idea of himself, but do you know, he always said that there was some bullshit sitting in there as well, and I thought that was interesting, he was looking for the bullshit that was in himself. Maybe that's a good thing for all of us to do. Are we that important? Is some of our motivation based in bullshit? He understands that, and, you know, we talked about the saviour complex, the old ego, the ego that just keeps going and it seems to hide behind itself and go at higher levels. How do we deal with our own ego? What's the narrative of our journey? What do we believe and what do we want other people to be, behave like? Because often we look at other people and we say, oh, if only they were different. It's so easy to be that way and, and Joe's just had a great way of looking at it. I I think he said things that were really, really profound. You know, all about our identity, all about our ego, and it's a story that we create of who we think we are. It's so interesting. Looking forward to episode three, the final one. Thanks, everyone. That's another episode from Podcast with Paul. Special thanks, everyone. Remember to keep an eye out for our next exciting episode with more fun special guests. Find out more of what we're all about and look up The Laughter Project. Hey, everyone. Be happy.